0: And has gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Well, folks, welcome, as always, to Nosebleeds, the only baseball podcast that you'll find. Via WFUV Sports and all of its affiliates. We're on a bunch of different platforms now, which is very exciting. Uh, So however it is that you're listening to us, uh, whenever it is that you're listening, we are so grateful that you've joined us. There is so much to talk about, and that is why it takes four hosts this week to do it here in the New York area. We'll start with me first, because I'm the most important. My name is Dylan Balsamo. I am joined by three of my closest baseball friends and closest life friends, truly. We'll start with my friend, Mr. Alex Wolves. How's it going, bud? It's
1: a pleasure, Dylan. And I was thinking about this week and making the assignment for this podcast, and I said, there's no way you can do it without four people, because it's the Subway Series. We all had some trips to Yankee Stadium. We all saw what happened this weekend, and I couldn't leave anybody out. This just wouldn't be fair, right, Dylan?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We all had some trips to Yankee Stadium, some more successful. <laughs> we'll see you <laughs> later. Also there representing the Yankees was
2: Yankees beat reporter Ryan Gregware. Ware. How's it going, Ryan? Doing well. We got the super team for this episode. The stars are out, so it should be a good one.
1: But you hated super teams, though. Uh,
2: super. Yeah, I thought you hated super teams, Ryan. <laughs> uh, not when I'm on the team.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Okay. That's a real, that's a real Charles, Bar- Charles Barkley take, but that's okay. Of course, also here with us. Last and most certainly not least is my fellow Mets beat reporter for this season. It's our guy, Mr. Sam Davis. What's up, Sam?
3: Well, it's interesting that you saved me for last. I take that a little bit personally, but I guess I'm just closing things out. I'm like the cleanup hitter here, so yeah. No, it was a uh, it was a good weekend. Really cool being at Yankee Stadium, uh, as obviously as the Mets beat reporter, not getting a chance to go there too often. So I had a fun weekend, and who better to spend it and end it with than the three of you here.
0: It really, this does
3: feel like the big
0: finale of a of a tremendous weekend for the four of us. I will say, you know, it wasn't really sure if we were going to get the chance to do these games together um, at Yankee Stadium. And for the most part, we actually didn't. But it's still (laughs) fun either way. So um, before we get into the Subway Series, which as you all know, listening to this, was this past weekend, Mets took two out of three from the Yankees. Yankees now just two games over five hundred in the middle of the pack in the division. Mets, I believe it's a three and a half game lead now in the National League East, heading in today over the Atlanta Braves. But I want to talk about the two teams weeks first heading into the Subway Series. And we'll start with the Yankees because you might argue there are. Much more pressing matters there. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. The, the really big thing about this week was um, not only Tyler Wade, but also the, the series with the Angels that had very mixed results in the Bronx for the Yankees.
2: Well, yeah, going into this week, I should say, before the Angels series, Aaron Boone said our season's on the line. So this was the our season is on the line week for the Yankees, and if it's indicative of how the rest of the season's going to play out, um, you know, you're not happy if you're the Yankees. The Angels series, you said mixed results. That's a that's an interesting way to put it because there certainly were mixed results. 19 runs in the first two games. The first game, uh, they dropped, and then, you know, they come back. And Wednesday night, their, their worst loss of the season for the – I think that's the fifth time I've probably said it on this show. I may say it later on when we get to the Subway series. And so they blow a four-run lead in the ninth. Aroldis Chapman, who we'll get into more as well. He had another meltdown. Um, so, yeah, really tough week for the Yankees. Lost both series. They saw their division. They're now 10 games out, five and a half out of the wild card. You said two games over 500. That's one game over 500 is what they are. So I wish they had that extra win in there. They didn't. And so a pretty uneven week for the Yankees overall.
1: I think the tricky part of it is that if you look at the two games, like with the Angels game, let's also talk about the Mets game briefly where the bullpen kind of loses it. You remove those two games and they're both wins. This is a much different homestand than the way we're looking at it right now. And I think it just speaks volumes about the struggles that the Yankees have had this season where it's almost like, one thing is missing and one thing either leads to a victory or leads to a loss. You think about the game on Sunday. And I just jump around here a lot now that Gio Urshela home run that doesn't happen. That's probably a loss. You think about Chapman's outings. If those don't happen, they're probably wins. So when you're just relying on one thing to go right or wrong for the Yankees, This week it went wrong one too many times. I mean, it's not a a reliable formula for success. I think that's the problem the Yankees have run into. It was definitely on display against the Angels and also against the Mets as well. And it it went well the week before with the Royals, but you just can't count on that time and
3: time again with the way things have been going for the team right now. That's the issue, too, with this Yankees team we've talked about it all year is consistency. That's been the biggest problem. They haven't been able to really put everything together. You know, early on in the year, it was the story of the starting pitching and the bullpen was pitching really well, really outperforming. And the lineup wasn't, wasn't hitting too well. And then you saw a couple games in the Angels series. They were putting up big runs, and then the bullpen was blowing games. The, the pitching wasn't doing what they needed to do. You know, even in the Subway Series this weekend, Garrett Cole with the lead. You know, in a seven – or, I'm sorry, yeah, in a 7 inning game, that seems like that, that's game over. The Yankees are going to win that game. So the fact that they just haven't really found a way to put it all together at once, and especially now like where, like you said, Alex, a couple of those games go a different way. We're looking at the home homestand completely differently. We kind of look at every single game the Yankees play as, as extremely important, which is weird for baseball because it's such a long season, so you don't think about it like that normally. But with how poorly the Yankees have been playing, every game you feel like this is when they have to start playing well. This is when they have to get things back and take control of the division or at least climb back into it. And that's just a ton of pressure on this team, a ton of pressure in general, and it's it's just not really sustainable. And, and the lack of consistency has been a problem all year for sure.
0: You know, consistency truly is a problem, and I think the teams that get most affected by consistency issues are the teams that do not seem to be able to build any kind of momentum, even when they have a uh, the most raucous of victories. Because you know, offensively, this was a rather strong week for the Yankees. But when it comes down to it, even the Orioles are going to have a couple games this year where they score 12 runs. That's mm-hmm. going to happen for every team, and uh, unfortunately, you can't you can't rely on that, especially in a, in a year that has been so pitcher dominated and nobody's hitting over 300. It's, it's, it's incredible in that sense. But, you know, for the Yankees, at least it seemed for me, and I want all of your opinions on this is, you know, just all of New York baseball fans got to see it, you know, at center stage this, this past weekend, but it seems like the Yankees are, are unable to build any kind of momentum because there does not seem to be any energy in that dugout. You mean, excuse my dog in the background, but, you know, the laws of physics declare that you cannot make something out of nothing. And my question, I'll, I'll go to Alex first here, is where, where can the Yankees build some kind of energy when they don't seem to be having any to, to build off of?
1: I think it's a great question because there's conflicting answers from the Yankees themselves. We're like like Ryan mentioned off the top, Aaron Boone said that this season was on the line coming into this week. Aaron Judge was the one that called the players' meeting saying that there was things that need to be said before the All-Star break came. Simultaneously, when they beat the Angels 11-5, got that big win, Aaron Judge said this game is just like all the other ones. This There's no different. We just got to go out there in the next game, and we got to try our best. And that's really all it's been. So even when there's a good win, it's not like they're they're treating it in a vacuum almost. And it's the same thing when there's a loss. So there's kind of a conflicting mindset to me where on one hand, this week was really, really important. But on the other hand, every time there was a good stride, it didn't mean anything. So I don't think you can have those conflicting messages of like, you know, on one hand, this is so important, but on the other, we're not going to really look at what we're doing really well. I think when you think about how they can gain momentum, it just comes down to stringing series wins together. That's something that Ryan talked about a long time ago. And you can't come into a week like this, lose multiple games to the Angels, lose multiple games to the Nets in a week that you call so important. And if the season is on the line and you still proceed to struggle during that week, where do you go from here? I think that's the main question. In the entire season, the Yankees have preached patience. They've preached calmness. They've said that we trust, that we have everybody here in the room. That's what Garrett Cole said again last night, that they have everybody in the room to make things happen you're at the point now where it's not really happening. So what do you have to do? Do you have to change the people in the room? Do you have to change the guy in charge? I think, though, you're at the point now where something probably does have to change, depending on what happens with this road trip coming up, the next few games, because the Yankees, have they've acknowledged the severity of the situation. They've acknowledged that the team, quite frankly, isn't where it needs to be right now. And we know the problem. We're aware of what it is, but now you have to start finding a solution. To your question, Dylan, about how to do that, I think you got to start changing some personnel. I really do. And they've tried a lot of things. I just don't know if you can keep sticking with this group long enough because they've proven at this point in the season, we're at the midway point that nothing's really going to change. And I know, Ryan, we've talked a lot about this in terms of where the team goes from here and, and you're starting to give up a little bit of hope as well. So I'm curious where you think that, that future direction should be.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I'd say for the last month or so, and Alex know this because we're texting about things constantly, When whenever a minor thing happens, you try to kind of give yourself that confidence that this is where it turns around, right? Luke Voigt, who is a vocal leader on this team, led the baseball and homers last year. He came off the I.L. You say, OK, this is where the Yankees flip a switch players meeting. OK, this is where they flip a switch. Another guy comes back. Hal Steinbrenner speaks to the media. OK, this is where they flip a switch
3: series too. that. That's where he thought maybe they could flip the switch.
2: This is where you flip a switch. And literally every single time, maybe you win a game, maybe you win a series. You follow it up with a humiliating loss, a demoralizing loss, or you get swept. That's been the entire season for the Yankees. Early on, they were able to string a few more wins together where it wasn't so ugly. But the reality of the situation is, Alex said, you're at the halfway point. There's not going to be, I don't think so, at least, an internal thing that makes them flip the switch. If it's not the players' meaning, if it's not Aaron Boone admitting that this is the season, it can't be anything internal. And so you talked about switching up the personnel. I, I don't know what the answer is 100% because like you have players who have performed in the past and I've been saying this in all the shows and recaps and they're just not doing it this year. Like a Glaber Torres is the poster child of that. Uh, even DJ LeMay who has turned it around, he's not hitting 360 this year and so that's a huge difference there. So it is really tough to say and you can go to Boone, you can go to the front office and all that and that maybe long-term is the solution but short-term, that's not going to turn this team around right now. I don't think... That'll make it. rule this Chapman, who you're stuck with, right? His contract is huge. That's not going to make him flip the switch and become dominant again. So it is really hard to say. And that's why, as Alex mentioned, I have started to lose hope. And, you know, you look at this season kind of as a wash as of right now.
3: It's crazy how our just like, I guess, general mindset on this team has just like slowly slid almost like off a cliff as we go further and further into this. And the Yankees continue to just, not play good baseball, and continue to sit far back in the division. At first, it was like, it's early, they'll figure it out. And that, that took a while for us to kind of get over that kind of take or that thought process because we really believe this, this lineup is good enough, this pitching staff is good enough, they're the best team in the AL or the best team at least in the division. Now I think like that mindset's completely gone out the window, I, I think. At this point, it's like people are. some people are saying, and I might even include myself in this, This Yankees team just isn't very good. They're not a good team. Like, it's not like, oh, I think they can turn things around and really come up and win the division. I don't really know if they can. I think it's too early to really count a team out, considering it's the all-star break and you still have half the year left. But we just haven't seen any signs of change, really. You know, we've seen good things, but then, like you said, bad things start to happen, the lack of consistency. We haven't seen anything where it's been a week or two of consistent, really good baseball where you're taking series, in a row, you know, winning, winning games in a row that hasn't really happened all year. And I think at this point, you're just starting to really lose faith. And I, I think it kind of showed this weekend, which we're going to get into the Mets weren't coming into this series extremely hot either. They were kind of scuffling, not playing great baseball. They're starting pitching been hurt a little bit. It's not like the Yankees were going up against a, a, you know, a dominant team at the time. The Mets weren't playing that great baseball. The Yankees just, I think right now, to be honest, it's a lot easier to believe they just aren't a good team versus them not being able to put it together.
0: It certainly has been a, a, a struggle all year to, to keep hope in the Yankees more than anything else. And I think what we learned this week is, I, I think just just overall is that you know they're obviously not a great team, but I I wouldn't say they're necessarily a bad team either. What what they are at the We're
1: moment, five hundred team. Yes.
0: I, uh, the, 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 the definition of one, I guess, right. (laughs) And the way I keep saying is that they're, they're fine. They're fine. Um, but as we all learned this week, uh, in a Steinbrennian world, that's just not good enough. Uh, and understandable. That's a lot of money being invested in this team right now. Now it's really easy to lose hope in the Yankees at this point. The reason I haven't completely lost hope yet is you look at the beginning of their season, uh, and they were blowing it really early. um, and you take a look at, you know, maybe the next 40 games after that, and they looked like it was a steady incline back up to what you hope would eventually be first place by the All-Star break, at least. Uh, and that really, I, at least from my view, coincided with a home series against the Astros. Seemed to be kind of like, it, it, it did feel like it was going to be their big moment in, in a year. And it did seem to be some kind of momentum builder, whether that series was a full success or not. This coming week, and we'll get more into this later. The Yankees have Seattle Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Team that's five games above five hundred right now. Won six of the last ten games. That's going to be a tough three games in Seattle. After that, they go into Houston. If there's any time for the Yankees to truly get that momentum back, it's this week. I I hope it's true. It's it's the only thing as as someone know. I don't. I, no one wants to see the Yankees be like this, especially a team that has this much talent. No one wants to see this happen. So, at least <laughs> I, you know, perhaps that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I mean. Well, 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 I don't, I don't I'm gonna, gonna, gonna say one, like, well, I, I won't say anything. I think, and, and it looks like Ryan's really disappointed oh. here, but I think like that's that's the chance that they have to improve things. Last I mean, chance,
2: perhaps. I mean, we've said it so many times. I was gonna but, say, yeah, like it, it that's what kind of what I was just saying. Like, there have been so many of those chances, Dylan. And it's just like the mental warfare I'm doing in my head watching this team is crazy. <laughs> I'm like I am losing it. watching. Trust this me, team.
3: I know. I sat next to him during uh, during our first game in the Subway Series, and watching him as, as the Mets kind of started to put up runs, I I, I felt bad for him, just as a friend. It's not good him. mentally. It's not good for you.
2: No, this, yeah. the psychological warfare that is going on watching 2021 Yankees baseball is like nothing we've experienced because, as you said, don't they are fine. And maybe for some teams with different expectations, that's okay. But they have the second highest payroll. They've invested so much into this team prospect wise, everything wise. And they have been good. It's not like this team has been awful or disappointed the last few years. Yes. In the playoffs, they faltered, but they've been awesome in the regular season. Last year was a COVID weird season. They still made the playoffs. They won a playoff series. So like you kind of threw that out the window and then you looked at 2019, the last true season. It was the most fun that I remember watching Yankees baseball, and it didn't matter who was on the plate, who was stepping up. They were all performing. And so when you have right now these players with big names and big expectations not doing it, that's where the frustration, that's where that's why I'm going crazy because I'm watching Glaber Torres have three homers at the Ulster break when he hit 38 a few years ago. So, you know, the Astros series, in theory, I Aaron Boone said a similar thing yesterday how this West Coast trip is their season, all this other stuff. But at some point, it's jargon. At some point, you can't really believe it because he's been saying this for the last few weeks, and the results have not been there.
1: Uh, That's the thing, too, is that I'm starting to lose a little bit of confidence as well because the bedrock guys that you leaned on, Cole and Chapman, they're starting to fade away, too. And when you think about... Yesterday, I had a realization where I was at the at the Mets game where I looked at the lineup card. Now, I genuinely believe the Mets had a better lineup than the Yankees. I really did. When I looked at the guys, you could disagree with that. But when I'm looking at it and where the guys are right now, I thought the Mets just had a better lineup. Simple. And that's why I bring up the personnel argument, because I just don't think, like you mentioned, Ryan, it's so interesting with the Yankees in 2019, because they weren't winning based on the talent. They were winning based on next man up mentality. And that's the thing that's really missing this year. And that's why it's such a tricky solution to think about. You could put whoever you want on this team. You can get the personnel change. and a lot of people want the guys from the minors to step up. They want to make the big trades. There's something, though, that's missing, though, and that's what that 2019 team had because that mentality was there. That's just not, not there anymore because we see different lineups every day. We see different outfields. We see everything changing in the order, but it's a result that isn't changing. And like you mentioned, Dylan, we're coming into another weekend here, another road trip, I should say. We're past the weekend now, but a road trip where the Yankees understand the, magn- the magnitude of the situation. That's not even a word, but the, the severity of the situation. And they're just – we can't have confidence that they're going to show up and live up to the moment because there's been those moments before that just haven't been there. So I don't know what the solution is because it's never really been about personnel. I don't think the personnel is there right now, but it's never really been about that. It's been about everything else about the Yankees. I was looking forward to this season because of just the team having a lot of fun. That's always that word that we saw, you know, when they were hitting home runs, they were having a lot of fun in the dugout. And it was just such a different atmosphere in the ballpark. This weekend was the first time that atmosphere was there and they still proceed to lose a few games. So I just think there's something Like Ryan said, there's something internal that just isn't there right now. And I can't have confidence that even in a weekend that's as important or a week that's as important as this one, that they're going to show up because history just says otherwise. And and I think we're at that point now where you can't trust it's going to turn around until it actually does because that's just the way the season's been.
0: And that is the way the season looks like it might continue to be for this Yankee team. And, you know, just a quick last point about this. After that 2019 season where, you know, the energy was so incredibly high all throughout the playoffs, Uh, and, and things didn't turn out the way they wanted in the American league championship series. They felt like there was a real sign of dejection. Uh, and I feel like that has carried over even now, almost two years later. Uh, so, you know, you hope for the Yankees sake, they can turn things around, but, uh, no one can really be sure about this. You know, folks, this is usually maybe a 25 minute podcast. We are currently at 18 and a half (laughs) minutes and we have checked the first box off of our very long checklist for the week. So there's more to say too. There's so much more to say, and it will all all be said before this season's end. Uh, But for now, let's move on to the other team in New York who also had a rather tough week coming into things. Nevertheless, they come out of the Subway Series three and a half games above the Atlanta Braves for the lead in the National League East. They are six games above 500 Coming into this week, they got the Milwaukee Brewers and the Pittsburgh Pirates all at home heading into the All-Star break. But Sam, I'll come to you first here because before the Subway Series started, this was really not a good week in the division for the New York Mets.
3: Yeah, it was certainly certainly disheartening for the Mets, and I think a big part of that was some of the pitching depth that kind of went out the window there. David Peterson getting hurt I think is a big deal after Lucchese already got hurt. All of a sudden, we're kind of in a similar position we were in earlier in the year with Peterson and Lucchese where it's like two bullpen games at the end of your rotation just because now we're really throwing guys that <clears> – <throat> excuse me, the Mets are really throwing – at pitchers that aren't really big league ready and are <clears throat> kind of forced into this role where they they have to pitch in big games where they're not really capable of pitching. And in, I don't know, Corey Oswalt has been pretty good so far for the Mets, but pitching on Sunday night baseball against the New York Yankees is kind of a lot to ask out of him. And that just shows kind of the lack of depth this pitching has right now. And then you also, you compound that with Stroman, who has had two iffy starts lately and, and certainly not as good as he's been earlier in the year. That's another thing that's concerning because you really need him to pitch well and be that, you know, that guy behind DeGrom. And then you have Taiwan Walker's pitch well as well. You need to go out and win basically those three starts or at least be competitive and, and try to and win those games. Because, you know, those those last two starts at the bottom of the rotation are kind of like games that if you're the Mets. You're not really expecting to win. And the offense was a huge concern. But I was always looking at the pitching there because we saw this weekend how good this offense can be and I know the this Yankees team is like I said not very good right now and um, like we've all talked about and the pitching staff is is certainly not good but having Brandon Nimmo back I think was was massive at the top of the lineup he just showed immediate spark coming into the game Uh, you know getting on base a lot setting things up for Don Smith and Pete Alonso had a good weekend as well in the subway series so that was really refreshing I think things are going to get a lot more difficult, which we we'll get into, like with, with the Brewers upcoming, who are a really good team. But getting the offense a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident, I think is huge. And that's what this weekend definitely did. And it started with Brandon Nimmo at the top of the lineup, I think. He just has this sort of stability. He gets on base. He really helps the team win in whatever way he can, you know, and he plays a pretty good a center field as well. So, this this offense is really going to need to pick things up over the next couple of weeks while pitching staff and their depth is a little shaky. Um, so this offense kind of has a lot on their shoulders right now. But I mean, you can't be upset about the weekend they just played. Obviously, I guess you would want them to sweep and they haven't really they split double headers. It's seemingly like every time that the amount of double headers have been crazy and they've split every single one of them. So you would have liked to see them obviously sweep, but. Taking two out of three for the Yankees, at Yankee Stadium, you can't really complain too much, especially the way the offense performed. I think that's the biggest bright spot. you got to take that away because uh, this Mets offense is going to need to produce a lot over the next couple weeks before, you know, I guess Carrasco comes back or maybe the Mets make a move at the deadline to get another starter. But that's not coming anytime soon. I think this Mets offense has all their pieces back. There's no more excuses. This is a good lineup. And it's time they really start producing. And maybe this weekend was a test uh, to test that.
2: Yeah. We'll see if the Yankees are kind of the get right team, you know, that let, you know, you play them and then you get right. Cause that's what it was this weekend and going into it, you brought it up now three and a half game lead. I think it went down to two at one point, the nationals were red hot. And so there was a chance if the series went wrong for the Mets, they'd be in second place right now. They'd be leading our show. It did have kind of like loser leaves town kind of vibe and the Mets, you know, like things are just going well for the Mets right now. They take two of three. You talked about Sam. The game we were at on Saturday, the offense was so good, 14 hits. Brandon Nimmo, as you talked about back, so that certainly gives you a ton of confidence. Pete Alonzo also had a huge series. Last seven games, he's slugging 680. So if he gets really going like he has been in the past, that's a huge boost for the Mets, especially as these guys come back because he's been there. So if he's able to kind of carry the weight a little bit while some of the other guys get going, get healthy, get fresh. That's huge. And, you know, we know how good the picking is going to be. I'm sure we'll talk about Taiwan Walker in a little bit here, but really good stuff. If you're the Mets, you have to feel good because coming in, I don't think you were feeling good. And that's what made this series so pivotal. It was two teams both going in the wrong trajectory. And hopefully, you know, this wasn't just a blip and that if you're the Mets, you can see this as a turning point for the offense with guys coming back. I think it's interesting because you talked about no excuses left and, you know, obviously they, I think coming into it at the worst runs per game in baseball. I'm not sure if it's still that with their uh, high high scoring games, but the excuses, I think they were fair, right? Like you have all these guys injured, you know, yeah. the replacements, all this stuff, but this team really, like if you, Alex made this point, they had, they looked like they had a better lineup and it, healthy. Like this is a really good lineup. There is yeah. no, there are no excuses for them to be last in runs per game. So, you know, you do need them to turn it around a little bit because I don't think, and this may be a little too, Big picture. The Braves, obviously, they're coming up a little bit. We know they have the talent. I don't know if you can win this division if you're the Mets with that offense being so bad. I know you can win a ton of games, and that's what they've done so far. But overall, 162-game season, especially once we get into these dog days, which we're getting into, where the ball starts to carry more, and you're going to get into a ton of slugfest, that's August baseball for you. You're going to need them to pick it up. So hopefully, if you're the Mets, this is a sign of things this weekend.
1: I think the one key difference, though, between the Mets and the Yankees is that at least with the Mets, you have a rotation that you can count on for the most part in the top half, where the Yankees don't really have that stability anymore. The Mets, you at least know with Walker Stroman and DeGrom, you're getting three guys that when you go out there, you can expect to win even with just a couple of runs. And I think there's enough guys in the Mets line. If you look at it top to bottom, there's no one guy I have to rely on to give me those runs. I can look one to nine and I can genuinely expect any of those guys, whether it's Nemo, as you mentioned, Sam, or whether it's Dom Smith, whether it's Pete Alonso with a long ball, or whether it's now Lindor getting it going a little bit. Any one of those guys, I think, could come. Come out and get me some hits and get me some runs. And all I need is a couple to win yeah. games against, you know, one of my, my best pitchers on the mound.
3: Yeah, that's it's, what we said. Sorry to cut you off, Alex. The, the, the Mets offense doesn't have to be tremendous. It's not really, and but the fact that they can be much better is like a positive sign because you're yeah. right. I'm, I'm really nitpicking with this starting rotation because to have one through three like they have, I mean, I think a lot of teams would take that. And then you kind of figure things out at the bottom there. But the Mets offense, like, obviously they can be much better. They need to be a little better, but they don't need to, to slugfest their way and win every single game, especially when you have the Grom at the top of your rotation.
1: To piggyback off that though, if you get the three games off as an offense, that means you have to show up in the games where you do need to show up. When you have that bottom half of the rotation that needs your help, you need to be able to to produce that help. I think that's the question for the Mets. I think you mentioned the the Braves a little bit, uh, Ryan, and as the schedule picks up, that's really what we've been talking about for the Mets. They're in a division that's underplayed the entire season. So when the Braves start picking it up a little bit, the Phillies have been around all year. When the Nationals start picking it up again, get back to that World Series potential. The score is going to start flying up a little bit. That's just the way baseball is. When you have two good teams, there's more runs are going to cross the plate. Those are the games where the Mets, I think the offense got to be a little bit aware, situational awareness of now. These are the games where we need to show up. We need to string together those hits and get those runs. And I think, you know, it's an interesting thing if we start seeing consistently, I think there was good signs in, in the in the Yankee series, but even then that last game of the doubleheader against Nestor Cortez who's a guy I'm not necessarily expecting to go lights out. You only put two runs home. So I think there needs to be games like that where the Mets offense needs to show up, but Look, I mean, we're at the point in the season where they're starting to get healthy. And as they do, I have confidence they'll turn it around. And we're starting to see slow signs of that. But now it's about that consistency that we've talked about before as well.
0: You know what I find really interesting, guys, is to me, it seems the best of teams know just exactly the amount that they need to stay afloat when they need to. Um, And, you know, you like to think the Mets are that kind of team at the moment. But they might just be a team that has been lucky enough to be in first place during a time when their division hasn't been good enough. Um, you you hope that's the case. And we're gonna find out specifically in this next week when when yeah. the Mets play Milwaukee and you know, and play Pittsburgh in a series they really should take all four games from, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and then they all star break and then they go to Pittsburgh and play the Pirates again. So this yeah. really should be a very fortuitous time for the Mets if they play it right. But to me, here, here's what it comes down to. The offense, um, as we've talked about, has has been subpar uh to this point. And you know, you can you can talk about needing to replace Mets as much as you need to. There's only one guy left from the the injured squad, if you will, that still needs to come back, and that's J.D. Davis, who will hopefully rejoin the team this week. Uh, and and that's really what it comes down to. You know, there are not many first-place teams that you'll find in the history of baseball that use as many guys as any other team on their roster throughout the length of their season. And the Mets, I believe, are up to 50 now. So that's – it's really quite something. But here's what it comes down to. Is the pitching has been really good. Um. But the offense has been not producing enough that, you know, Jacob DeGrom lets up three runs in the first inning, and it's a heart attack of the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, part of that is because um, the perfectionist and all this doesn't want to see Jacob CRA go over one um But that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But
3: and those are the games that matters too. You know those those are divisional games. I mean, yeah. as much as this Yankee series was nice, those are divisional games. Those yeah. are the games that really matter. Those are the games.
0: Yeah, that absolutely. But you know, you bring up the Yankee series, and this is another thing I wanted to mention, to you guys. And we'll talk we'll talk about this real quick because I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll talk about the actual series. But at least for the Mets, this past week, you know, they had the makeup game against Washington that didn't go their way. They had that first doubleheader against the Braves that was a disaster. Um, and then they get blown out by the Braves, then they only win one game in that Atlanta series. Um, it really did kind of feel like the Mets head-wise were already thinking about the Yankees series throughout this whole week. Sam, Sam I'll start with you because I know how closely you watch. watched. It, it felt like they were really not – they weren't really in it this past week, just like almost gearing towards that Yankee series, knowing they were going to face a team across town that was struggling, knowing there was some kind of bragging rights involved there. And it felt like they were not really – in, in an odd psychologist way of saying it, didn't feel like they were themselves this week before the Yankees series.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a big issue because those games were very important against the Braves and Phillies teams that, you know, really any, any game in the division, except maybe like the Marlins, but even them, they, they should, you know, beat them or take two out of three at least But the Braves, Phillies and Nats, all those games matter a lot because they're all kind of bunched together just behind the Mets. One of those teams, as we saw with the Nats, can get hot and put a lot of pressure on this Mets team to really win games. And that's concerning because you got to really go out and win those head-to-head. And so far, I mean, the Mets have done a decent job, but they could do a lot better. I think looking ahead to the Yankees, it was a big series, so I I kind of, I guess, understand that. But I hope that they don't do the same in this coming week here where where they take on the, uh, the Brewers, who are a really good team. And I hope they don't look ahead to the Pirates and think, "Oh, we can sweep them." Let's just go get that series and then head into the All Star This Brewers series is big. I think you got to maybe take one or two and, and split the series would be fine because they're playing really hot baseball right now. I think they're nine and one in their last ten, so they're playing really well. Their pitching's good and they've been hitting the ball really well. So yeah, I hope they don't overlook them because I think that's an important series to just stay afloat. You know, maybe split and then go into that Pirate series and really sweep and have a chance to really build some ground in the division, but those divisional games are going to be something to look out for, for the rest of the year. I, I don't think the Mets are ever really going to run away with this division. It's going to be something that they're going to have to really focus on and and start winning those games when they matter the most.
2: No, I think you can make the argument. It might be the most competitive division, because I think right now, even though the Phillies have been tough, I think you could make at least some type of argument that, you know, one through four any of these teams can win this division. And it's not like the leads insurmountable Phillies are in fourth place, four and a half out. And when mm-hmm. you look at, I mean, you know the Yankees are out 10 and fourth. Yeah. So like, there is certain room there. Uh, you talked about looking ahead. Yeah. You're not going to be able to look ahead of the Brewers. I mean, you're going to get swept if you do so, because yeah. they're, I think the oddest team in baseball, they opened up, they were tied with the Cubs maybe three weeks ago and now they have a nine game lead in the division. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to overlook the Brewers and there's no reason you should, there's no reason they should overlook the Braves though. Also, right. That's a, that's a rival. That's a division opponent. And, you know, when you lose 20 to two, you're not really in it and you lose to Gromstar. So, certainly, I mean, going into that's why I think the Subway Series was so huge. Maybe it's not even just looking into it, it's just maybe things were kind of coming back down to earth because, as we talked about, like they overperformed and underperformed, I think, in different areas. Um, you'd certainly expect the hitting to be better, obviously. But then when you look at into context, all these injuries, You know, you are lucky to be where you're at. They've caught a terrible break with the injuries, but now with them back, things do get real. And I think that's how I think that's how I think we're approaching the Mets fair. I think we're being pretty objective here and looking at it, you know, with with an open eye is like it's been nice so far, but it doesn't really matter. The nice story, the nice injury squad hitting and all that's kind of big hits and big wins. It won't matter if they're not able to win this division at the end of the day.
1: There's something you said, Dylan, that's always stuck with you about expectations. And I think that's something for the Mets that has worked their way this entire season. Because you think about the beginning of the year, with all the injuries, there really wasn't many expectations of what this team was going to accomplish. And I think when, you, when in a baseball season, when you have that type of freedom, and you can play you know, with that open spirit, and you really have nothing to lose out there, that can lead to good things sometimes. And I think that's what we've seen for the Mets so far, is that next man up mentality. Things went their way. Now the expectations are getting real. And now when everybody's coming back, You've had the division lead for, like, I think it's like three months now, two or three months now. They've really sat on top of the division since the season started almost, as the the game notes said. And, And pretty much you now have these expectations of being a playoff caliber team, being a World Series, I'll say, contending team. And when those expectations start getting on your shoulders, when they weren't there when the season started, how do you react to that? And I think so far the Mets have done a great job of that. Uh, You mentioned, Dylan, in the Yankees' perspective, those expectations have maybe been to their detriment, those World Series expectations. I think for the Mets, though, that was what really helped them this season was the lack of expectation. But now you're at that point, like you guys have mentioned, where if you start looking ahead, if you start thinking about playoffs, if you start thinking about those big dreams, you'll start losing the games that matter and fall short of those. So I think we're in an interesting crossroads for the Mets, and we'll see where they come out of the All-Star break because, like we said, we know what this team can do, and it's just a matter of whether they can live up to that now that the expectations are there.
0: You know, Alex, it's really interesting about expectations because you know I would argue coming into this season at the very tip top of things, there were there was some element of expectation here, just a, a changing of the guards and, and new ownership for the Mets and, and the fact that they did have talent on this team and Jacob DeGroms won the back back to back full season Cy Young awards. There was there was something there, but as as injuries fell um, as the season continued, I think what it became more about was that there's Less about there was no expectations, but I think more about by the time July hit by the time we hit Fourth of July, no one knew what the identity of this New York Mets team mm. going to be and I think over the last month they've they've i would really over the last two months they've built themselves an identity quite nicely, and it's worked well for them so far in the division. so I think the real question for them is you know now that everybody's back, can they use that the mentality that they've built for themselves um being a first-place team with a chip on your shoulder is a really odd thing to do. And I would, I would argue that at this point in the year, the Mets achieved that. So the question is, will they be able to continue things? But while we're here, all four of us made a, a trip or two to Yankee Stadium this weekend for the Subway Series. So I wanted just to break this down game by game. And I want to start with Friday. Because, you know, Alex, there might not have been a game played, but you and I had a wonderful time at the ballpark.
1: Uh, You and I had a great time, and I think the Yankees made a huge mistake on Friday night because we we were talking, Ryan and I, about what this weekend was going to look like. We thought it was going to be a washout, but then it really looked like the rains were clearing away, and you and I got there, and it didn't look so good at the beginning. The time was going on. The crowd was filling in. There was a really nice crowd there, and that's something I'd just been dying to see the whole season. It was filling up. You and I were talking. having a grand old time waiting for the game to start because we thought it was going to start. 830 comes. The rain is really just stopping at 830, and that was when they postponed the game, and it just felt like... All the life of the of that stadium, all the life of the subway series got sucked out in an instant. And all of a sudden, you get shifted from a Friday night game that was probably going to be packed to playing a game on 2 p.m. on Sunday. And it was still a great crowd, and, and obviously, it was still a great atmosphere. But there was something about that night that I thought was a big opportunity for the Yankees. It was almost robbed. Now, you and I, we didn't care about that. We had a great time no matter what. But for the <laughs> Yankees, I think that was a big, big night that really doomed them. And, and we saw it a little bit on, on Saturday, the results of that, the residual results of that.
0: Fans really did not want to leave the ballpark on Friday night. The That's true. They stayed. Good. Yeah, they didn't go they, anywhere. They stayed. And there was clear – that was – you know, people talk about that uh, that Knicks-Hawks game in the first round of the NBA playoffs being like when New York sports came back. This exceeded that, I thought. That first yeah. game of the – the almost game of the Subway Series. They ended up calling the game at 8.30 p.m., an hour and a half after the game was supposed to start. Uh, and then ended up not being too bad for the remainder of the night. And I will also say, just a a side thing, it was very clear that we've gone two years without this big of a sporting event, because Yankee Stadium as a building was incredibly unprepared for that many people to come to the game. It was kind of insane getting out of the ballpark. It, It was it was just it was too much. Um,
1: but, and the other thing, too, I'll, I'll mention quickly, yeah. the reason I knew it was interesting is I had so many friends just text me saying they were at the game. And that was something that had never <laughs> happened this whole season. People really hadn't gone to the stadium. But we had everybody now from New York coming to see this game. And I'd gotten there a little later, so I was on the subway with a lot of fans. And there was just so much of that crosstown rivalry that we'd been missing all year. So to lose that on Friday, I thought was a big was a big mistake. But like you said, we, we had a nice time, so it is what it is.
0: We absolutely did. And and that's really what matters, I guess. That's what baseball is all about, it's just having a good time. But let's talk about Saturday. And, and you know, Sam and Ryan were at that game. And uh, we'll start with you, Sam. Here because it, it was a Mets victory, it was an eight to three victory. A lot of things to be happy about for the Mets. You know, a great start from Taiwan Walker, five runs in the sixth inning, and
3: fourteen hits. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it was honestly. I had never seen the Mets offense, at least personally, <laughs> seeing them with my own eyes. That was the best Mets offensive performance all year, and I think it wasn't even close. Um, and then obviously having Walker just kind of deal as well was was really fun to watch. Being there with Ryan was great. I mean it was kind of a similar vibe for us. I guess we, when we went to the game, we thought there's no way this game is being played basically from the night before to the morning of, because the forecast looked pretty terrible, which made Friday look even worse because they probably could have got that game in, but instead it looked like Saturday was going to be a washout too. So we were showing up kind of half expecting to go home in an hour, but the fact that it was a very pleasant surprise that the rain kind of uh, went away almost. We were able to play. We, I was able to get on the field, which was really cool, being a Yankee Stadium. Um, personally, but we were we were both pleasantly surprised uh, to be at the game and to have the game actually happen. But then once the game started and things kind of went off the rails for the New York Yankees, I think Ryan's mood started to go down <laughs> a little bit. Um, but we still had a ton of fun. Our, our, our nice post game report on WFUB Sports YouTube page. Check it out if you hadn't. Uh, yeah, it, that great you know, thumbnail really too. fun. Great, great thumbnail. Yeah, that that was, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but anyway, um, we had a lot of fun doing that and it was really fun at, at, at the ballpark. And I think it was really fun for this Mets team putting up all those runs and kind of getting their comp- confidence back, like I said. Yeah,
2: Sam just said the word fun maybe as many times as the Mets had. <laughs> um, I certainly didn't have that much fun. Uh, I had a great time with Sam, of course. Uh, yeah. Nice to spend the day with him. But this was just – the Yankees looked so unprepared, so sloppy. I talked about this in my post postgame. Um, like, we, this year it's been so inconsistent with you've had either the hitting not hit or the pitching falls apart or something. And this game, everything came together in the worst possible form. It was 8 nothing, and they were getting no hit through five innings in this one. They were able to get a few runs when the game was already out of reach. Um, you know, the urgency thing came into question because it was only 3-0, and they bring in Justin Wilson, who – is maybe the eighth best reliever on this team. He got rocked. And so that's what really opened up just a brutal day for the Yankees, the Mets. It really was a hits parade. That sixth inning was miserable for the Yankees. I think maybe everyone was, you know, they were all getting in on the action on from the Mets side of things. And it just like the, the atmospheres from the two different teams And we've talked about this a good amount today, like the vibe from, if you just looked over at the Mets clubhouse, you see Lindor cracking a smile, dancing electric, you know, vibing out. And then you go over to the Yankee side, it's more gloomy. It, it's indicative of how the game and the seasons have gone for these two teams. And, yeah, it was just not a good day for the Yankees, and it showed on the field. Did not seem like the best of days on Saturday
0: for them, as you said, Ryan. And, you know, you look at the beginning of Sunday, and it did seem like it was going to continue in that same direction for the whole day. You know, let's look at that first game. Of of course, there were seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, Alex, I know you were there covering that game. Uh, I was supposed to be there, but um, I, I guess uh, Mother Nature had other plans. But what it really comes down to is, you know, that was, that was all Yankees really heading into the seventh inning there. A Rollis Chapman comes in. We know he's been having some trouble lately specifically, and we don't have to talk about this too much specifically since Major League Baseball has been cracking down on foreign substance policies. It's been a rough time for Rollis Chapman. And, you know, Garrett Cole started that game, didn't go too far, but the real story there is how Chapman blew this again. Well,
1: it's Cole's shortest start since like 2016. It was the shortest of the season. It was something that, look, I'm not going to look, Cole's an interesting substance because I'm not going to look too deep into it. I said that about the last, I know, right? Great word choice. But I said that the last (laughs) time against Boston because I just think he's been so good, so reliable, even with these few bad starts, his numbers are still all-star caliber. I'm not going to look too deeply into it. Even his stuff was not that bad in that game. It really wasn't. I mean, he looks all right. I'm not going to look too deep into it. He's going to have a bad start. It is what it is. Chapman is a little more interesting, I think, because look, he has not looked the same ever since the substance thing started his fastball simply hasn't been there I thought this was going to be the game where he turned it around and I really did I had a lot of confidence I said this to Ryan I mean uh, when he was warming up I thought he was going to come in and seal the deal but Aaron Boone has said he's confident in Chapman he said that when the situation comes he will put him in the game because he's just that's your guy I mean he, he had a zero ERA for a month this guy had the best start of his career arguably and he's been terrific but in a game like that that was that important to the Yankees where was only you're only at one run, Chapman has been really struggling as of late, and he didn't show you any signs of that getting better in this game. He didn't show you that to warrant going out there, especially after Chad Green had just thrown two pitches and was very capable of going out and finishing that one, though he did obviously show up in game two. I didn't think it was the right time to put Chapman because it was just such an important game, and obviously one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden Lucas Leakey comes in in an impossible spot with a 5-5 game and the, the mess blow it open. But that's this is what I've said really about this bullpen that I think is the real challenge. The Yankees have a great bullpen. They really do. They've been terrific this year, every reliever. But when you put them in these spots that are so difficult to get out of, you can't ask for a lot. And now, especially when your number one guy, Chapman, is going down as well, I don't know how much you can ask for. And the Yankees really are putting themselves in difficult positions. And when your top guys are out, too, I don't know how much you can rely on. Now they've got a real situation now, what you're going to do at closer, because I I think Chapman, you could stick to him to a certain extent, but you're going to have to start looking at other options as they've done in the past.
2: No, yeah, I, I'd I'd take it away. Um, I was not feeling good at all when he was warming up. I Alex knows that. Well, you saw
1: Wednesday, so you were there on Wednesday. So I had know.
2: the scars, I had the flashbacks, <laughs> and so he I. did scarred. was scarred. The, the mental scars from Wednesday really took a toll on me as a human being. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I they've done it in the about. past. You know, it's interesting when you look at Chapman. Someone tweeted this, I forget who. He has one month every year that's really bad, Mm. but this was nothing like it. Like, usually you have a month with a six ERA ish, and he really struggles. I know in 2018 it got bad. He did, you know, he wasn't the closer for a little bit. They went to Batantis. They went, they let Chapman figure it out before he earned it back. And I 100% do the same thing here. It's more interesting, though, because obviously this year, you know, there may be a direct correlation with substances. He's strongly denied ever, you know, using anything and whatnot, but he simply doesn't have it. And you know, right away, um, we talked about this in the post game, but when it, three pitches in, you know what Chapman's going to give you. And the last maybe seven times he's came in, it's been ugly. And when he's, when he's not on, there's nobody worse. There really isn't Faced um, three batters. They all scored. I think out of the last nine batters, he faced eight have scored like just ridiculous stuff. Um, ridiculous Crazy. stuff going back to Wednesday night. So, um, yeah, it's not good, obviously. And you can't let, the, you can't let it lose your games because 2018 was a season where they could afford, you know, a crushing loss or whatever just because they built it up. But this is a spot where you need every win. You absolutely do. So you don't let them figure it out with a one-run lead after you're coming off losing three straight games. You just don't do it. And so yeah. sticking with green there would have been the right move, and it obviously blew up in the Yankees' face. Well,
1: that's the well, really quick. I want to add is Boone said this in the post game about how somebody asked him, because are you going to pick and choose kind of the opportunities that Chapman gets? And he basically said, we don't have that luxury right now. And you mentioned back in 2018, 19 where Chapman did take a little bit of a rest. That's because they had a cushion, you know, that was a different Yankee team than you are right now. But now when you need these wins, Chapman's your guy. You're just praying that he's going to figure it out. And when he doesn't, you get something like that that happened.
0: And of course, what exactly happened was in that uh, final top of the seventh inning, what should have been the end of the game. If you're the Yankees, Resulted in a game tying home run for Pete Alonso, and then a few more runs scored for the Mets. A couple from a fan interference. That
1: was Um, that was quite a catch.
0: It was it was really an incredible catch. Uh, (laughs) And if you got folks, if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it.
3: Did that fan get kicked out? I see. He did. He was ejected. He
0: did. Um, And I'm assuming also was probably banned from the ballpark for life, Um, if 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 history tells us anything. Um, But what that meant was a victory for the Mets in game one of this Subway Series doubleheader that we don't get to see enough of, I would like to think, as Subway Series doubleheaders, because they're quite exciting. But let's talk about that night game, Ryan. I know you were there, and Sam, I want to get your thoughts on it too. It was a much different result uh, for the Yankees, and it came from a couple things, mostly an incredible outing to end the game from Chad Green.
2: Yeah. um, Also, before we get to that, I think you have to shout out Nessar Cortez. I know we already Mm -hmm. talked about him, but to, to give the Yankees what he gave them, three and a third, when the bullpen was so taxed is so huge. And it's a question that a lot of people were wondering because just to go back to Saturday, they brought in Mike King, those final four innings when the game was out of reach, he would have started this game. That's what they've been doing all year. And so when, when you had to burn him in a game that was already lost, it was something that I wasn't a fan of. I talked about on the post game, but Cortez showed up as he has, you know, throughout this year. And then Chagrin, as you talked about the bullpen, Alex texted me, where would this team be without the bullpen? and they'd be absolutely nowhere. Like, this bullpen has been so huge, and it was not this one. You know, the offense, they had one timely hit from Gio Urshawa, a three-run homer, Um, and then after that, it was pretty slow. They got another run on a wild pitch, but up two runs with, you know, no offense. Uh, The Mets chipped away a little. Darren O'Day gave up a two-run homer to Pete Alonso, But Chad Green came in, as you talked about, three shutout innings, three perfect innings, an immaculate inning to close it out. A great end to the game. Like, the feeling in the ballpark was – nice. It was an, it was a pretty split crowd overall, but that was certainly Yankees cheers when he finished off the immaculate inning. Obviously we've talked right now, like they needed this game more than anything. They need it more than They needed more than anything. Like there's no other way to put it. So it's nice, I guess, to salvage the series with a win in the grand scheme of things. Will this game matter? Will it mark anything significant? Probably not. Um, But you know, you're glad to not get swept by your crosstown rivals and fall under 500.
3: Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, I give in that game in particular, I think most of the credit goes to the Yankees, especially with Cortez and and Chad Green being big pieces for them. Um, But for the Mets, it's interesting because because of the first game of the doubleheader as a Mets observer, as someone who's seen the team a lot this year, it's tough to be confident in this Mets offense basically ever, certainly this year. But in that game, when they're starting to chip away, I was confident. I thought, okay, this Mets team can come back in this game and take the lead and maybe sweep them. And and, you know, we, I think we'd we'd be even harder on the Yankees right now, if that's even possible, if that happened, but that's my question.
1: You think that's a product of the Mets or the Yankees that you think that way?
3: Uh, I, I think it's a product more of the Yankees, um, in particular, (laughs) because the Mets haven't done that all season offensively and they did do it this weekend. So for me, that's not really quite a coincidence, but like I said, maybe it could be a little bit of a turning point, I hope, um, for this offense, but, I was, I was confident that I thought maybe they had a chance to, you know, they did claw back in the game, but a chance to tie it or take the lead late. Um, and that's a testament to, like I said, part of it's the Yankees and part of it's what they've done, what they did all weekend. But maybe it's a little bit uh, to the Mets as well and to their credit and how this complete Mets lineup, like you mentioned, Alex, it looks really good. I mean, it really does. When you have Nimmo at the top and Lindor starting to hit better, Dom Smith has looked great lately. Same with Pete Alonzo those four right there, and then you go down the list and you still have McCann, who's been hitting pretty well as well. You know, you got Pilar, you got VR coming back. So, you know, that looks like a really good lineup for this Mets team, which is why I don't think I'm a little bit more optimistic that this weekend wasn't just kind of a fluke or wasn't just playing a bad Yankees team. I'm a little bit more optimistic that maybe this is the sign of a fully healthy Mets lineup that is finally complete and and is going to start producing at a higher level absolutely
0: and so that just about wraps up our summary of the subway series one might say this this is one more quick thing that we want to talk about before we wrap things up here for this uh now 49 minute episode of nosebleeds to <laughs> give you an idea those of you listening probably already know that because you have probably looked at your phone a couple times and gone like has it really gone on this long like <laughs> but uh, alex i'll go to you first because yesterday at Around 5 p.m., so around the time the first game of this doubleheader was finished, Major League Baseball officially announced the full All Star game rosters, at least for now, pitchers and reserves. And, you know, you got to look for the Yankees, the naming of their All Star pitchers and reserves was Objectively hilarious timing-wise.
1: The funny thing, every other team had posted like a graphic on their Twitter of like a player getting an All-Star nomination. I was waiting for the Yankees to do it, and they they just didn't because of the way the atmosphere. I kept
2: checking for it, I kept it. I
1: said those comments are not going to be pretty. But you even saw it on, on on the other you know media accounts and stuff. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, this is always a trick with All-Star in any sport is that the results come out after the votes happen. And when these guys look, let's be honest, Cole and Chapman were great for a few months of this season. We talked about Chapman. His ERA was zero for the first one. There was a 0.75 for the second. It's balloons now to 11. And now obviously it makes it look awful for what he's done this season based on his last five outings or so alone. He was all star worthy up until then. The problem is all stars always a few days behind a few outs behind. And now obviously we're thinking the absolute opposite. But still, is he one of the best relievers in baseball? I don't think you can confidently say that anymore. Does he deserve it? I'm going to say yes. He's a, now, I mean, I think he's now a seven or eight time All-Star now. He's, he's really been, he's been terrific throughout his career. This this obviously latest stretch, as you mentioned, was one bad month. Kind of doomed him. But baseball, look, it's a long season. Is one bad month enough to make you not an All-Star? That's up to you guys to determine. I know, Ryan, you probably would say yes. But look, it's up to anybody to have an opinion there. I think Cole, though, is an All-Star. Look, Cole, really, let's be honest. I mean, it's only been two or three bad starts. And even the ones we consider bad are still not the worst. I mean, really, this last outing was, you know, the three and a third innings. Uh, was really his worst of the season and that's saying something when that's your worst and i think when you look at the the, the grand scheme of the al he's still one pitcher i wouldn't want to see the other side of the mound and up to up to then he's really lived up to expectations i think you know compared to obviously not as good as his one year in houston with that 2.5 era but other than that it's really been up to par with what he's done throughout his career so i think no problem with cole chapman is i think the one you could you could point your head at a little bit particularly with how many other believers there are that could take that spot
2: yeah, Cole is object- – like, even with these bad starts, even, like, looking at his numbers still, they're still all-star worthy. Absolutely. And, like, you can't say that about Chapman, obviously. You talked about the timing. I mean, like, it could not have been worse. <laughs> could not. Yeah, Wednesday.
1: And- could happen Wednesday.
2: And and him getting named and kind of, you know, there's a ton of guys that were snubbed, ton of, like, what is he doing here? That's kind of taken the air out of me because I've been very vocal about, obviously, Gary Sanchez making it. <laughs> but to see the all-star – team in the rosters this year i'm not i'm not like gonna fight to the death like i was because it kind of is it, it doesn't mean as much when when a rule this chapman makes the team it just doesn't and so he gary sanders objectively deserved to be their top three in every offensive statistic for al catchers mike zanino got it and people always hard on gary people always hard on gary for hitting 230 but mike Zanino's a 200 hitter at best so um it's interesting there obviously defense comes into play but i think also at the same time it balances out a little bit uh, you'll have a ton of guys opt out. You'll have you'll have injuries. You'll have people. So I think at the end of the day, there will be, you know, a ton of these guys that we're about to talk about will get named. I think that's the reality. But, yeah, just to go off the Chapman thing, awful timing, and it, it makes it not as significant. Like, to see a guy with – and I know you talked about a bad month and uh, that question, and I think for relievers it is a yes because their sample size is so small. Like, your ERA has the ability to implode after one outing. And so I think that, you know, with you don't have as many reps, you don't have as many innings. So I think a bad month when there's only three months, really, I think it does make the difference. And you you look at the other side of Jonathan Mowizaka, certainly has a really strong All yeah. star yeah. case. He has one That's to true. two bad outings. And if you took those away, he's the best pitcher in the AL right now in as a reliever. So I think, like, when you look at it that way for relievers, it is tricky, obviously, because you don't but – it, but it's not two bad outings for Chapman. That's the thing. It's a month yeah. out of three months. So
3: I yeah. – yeah, I have a problem with him getting named
2: 100%.
1: Well, that a good point, yeah.
3: Yeah, I have I have lots of trouble with Chapman. Briefly on Cole, like, yeah, he's an all-star. Um, obviously, he's helped by the fact that the American League pitching is just weaker than the National League, which um, we are going to, or at least I'm <laughs> going to sound off on uh, in a minute. But um, with Cole, like, yeah, I mean, he's had bad starts recently. And I think, you know, Alex, you mentioned, obviously, the sticky substances, which you've talked about a lot definitely playing a role whether that be physically or also mentally which we've talked about and yeah. now I think he's kind of adjusting to that in his own mind about getting confidence back and being able to really pitch and be himself which he can do he totally can do like he, he's a very good pitcher I think it's just going to take a little while confidence wise for him to build that back um since since the rules and, and since that change but I have no doubt in him that he will because he's a very solid pitcher objectively but Chapman and I do have a little bit of I have a lot of trouble with. Um, I'm not sure of the exact situation with AL relievers um, of who could have gotten over him. And I know Chapman did have a really dominant couple of months. But for me, with with his ERA where he's at right now and the month he has had, there has to be someone else. I, I think that could get the nod over him that is deserving to get that nod just with the way he's been pitching lately. I mean, if he if he does pitch in the All-Star game, which I don't know if that'll happen logistically. Um, yeah. I, I could see him giving up a couple home runs in an <laughs> inning or something like that, and really proving to everyone that he doesn't really belong in that game, at least this year. So uh, I had a problem with that. I also had a problem with the Yankees having two all stars, um, at least just from pitching, um, and the Mets, of course, only having one in Jacob Degrom. But we'll get into that in a second. I think
0: we certainly will. But just you know, just a quick point about you know, I I, I would agree with the sentiment that we that we all share here of you know, Gerrit Cole is going to be absolutely fine. I think he's a good enough pitcher where he's going to figure things out, uh, even without maybe some kind of substance that he re- was relying on. He he's going to be just fine, because he's he's a stud. He really he truly is. Chapman, of course, is a different issue. Now Ryan brought up a point that I found very interesting, which is um, ju- judging relief pitchers by their ERA um, when you know they pitch so few innings. I would actually argue that maybe ERA is not the best mm-hmm. uh, statistic to judge them by. I don't know what a better one would be. Personally, I guess maybe WHIP. Um, but you know, I, I did a, a side yeah. note that I think we need to come up with a better way to judge, uh, relief pitchers in terms of one, uh, ultimatum of a statistic. Um, but Sam, I, I want to kind of give you the floor here because we're going to switch the Mets here and you know, they only had one all-star choice. Yes. And of course, duh, it's Jacob deGrom, surprise, yes. surprise to everyone. Yes. Uh, and of course, Pete Alonso is going to be participating in the home run derby. So that'll be mm-hmm. fun as always, not an all-star officially. And we didn't even mention that Aaron judge was named as a starter oh, yeah. uh, in the outfield for the New York Yankees. But yeah. let's talk about um, this National League all-star roster.
3: Only one New York met and even more specifically only one New York met pitcher. Exactly. That's the key there. I'm never, I never wanted to say each team should have an all-star. I think, if your team's not playing well, you sh- and if nobody on the team is deserving, then you shouldn't get an All Star. That's my opinion. Totally. With that being said, Tywin Walker is an All Star, and the fact that I understand in the National League pitching, you know, I'm looking at this the the starters in the National League, and they are all really good. It's really hard to take somebody out and put Tywin Walker in. It really is. But I look at a guy like Herman Marquez, not had a great year. I mean, he's had a good year. Don't get me wrong, but his ERA is in the threes. He's, he's certainly not. You know, not a guy I would think. Oh, he's definitely an all-star. You Darvish is another guy who's had a good year, but Taiwan Walker's numbers are actually better than him as well. And looking at the rankings of, you know, we we said that ERA is not good to judge relievers. It's certainly good to judge starters, in my opinion, because of the amount of innings that they go. Taiwan Walker and his ERA—if he was in the American League—I think he'd be fourth in the, in the American League in his ERA, yeah. uh, is incredible. So for me, that that shows that obviously the National League is a lot stronger which makes it a lot more difficult to put him in. But for me, there are two guys, like I mentioned, Herman Marquez and Yu Darvish. They you could certainly substitute out and put in Taiwan Walker and then put in Max Scherzer, another guy who's had a really good year, that, another guy that's been stumped as well, staying in the NLE. So for me, Walker, I was really disappointed because it's probably the best start or at least the best first half of his career And it's a great story with the Mets. I know that doesn't play into being an all-star, but it's a great story with them. He he signed for very little money, and he wasn't expected to do much, and he's come up and been huge for this team, absolutely huge for this team, especially with all the injuries like we've talked about. So the fact that he's not an all-star, it's really, really frustrating, to be honest. Edwin Diaz is another guy I thought has had a great first half. It's a lot lot harder to get him in the all-star game because the relievers in in the National League are almost even better than the starters. I mean, Kimbrel, Josh Hader is another guy. You go down the list, even the guy, um, I, think, uh, I think Alex Reyes is his name. Yeah. He um, got him from the Cardinals. Uh, he was kind of like the, the fourth believer that, um, I guess, the fringe guy that you could maybe replace with somebody else. Even him, he's had great numbers this year. He's been really good um, for the Cardinals. His ERA is like 1-5, I think. So wow. it's a lot harder to get Edwin Diaz. Is I, I would have liked to see him in, but for Tywin Walker – that's the guy I'm really upset about. He deserves to be in this All-Star game. I think he will make it maybe if a guy comes out and, and let's say a guy's ineligible to pitch and they put Adam Walker in, but I, I was very upset about that.
0: Okay, before you guys keep going, I just want to stop and point out something that Sam said, where you, you're, you're not an advocate for every team having a representative at the All-Star game?
3: No, I'm not.
0: You are a cruel human being. What do you? This Listen. is this is a pointless Listen. There's no point to this game. It's just for entertainment. Why would you I don't not care if there's no point in? to
3: this game? I don't want a guy who doesn't deserve to be there getting in the All Star. Really Deserves the bottom okay. line.
0: Okay, this is this is a this is a side opinion. Listen, that I Dylan, have. Dylan I don't that think we should be counting uh, All Star games as like an accolade in a career. Because it's it's, it, it's it's a vote for an entertaining game.
3: That's all this is. But anyway, keep going with your wrong opinion, Tim. I think it should be counted as an accolade in a career, just because. And another thing I really like is when guys from terrible teams make the team, or like like Jesse Winker is a good example. I'm not the Reds terrible, but the Reds aren't very good, and maybe not maybe won't make the playoffs. That's probably his the best moment of his career. That's the only moment for him to really be in primetime television, really be in that big stage which is really cool for a guy like that. And, and you know, this guys in the pirates, is kind of the same thing. Uh, Adam Frazier is, is another big, you know, piece being a starter in the all-star game on the pirates. I mean, I think it's really awesome for them because it's the only real good chance for the a guy in the pirates to get on that national stage. But with that being said, you don't need to pick a guy from the pirates. If, if nobody on the team is having a good year, I think that's just, I I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think you're, you're, you're praising a guy and you're giving right. him credit for a year that he hasn't. He's just taking advantage of the fact that his team's. All starts. right.
1: I have a compromise. Don't, what if what if we get, if we get, get a guy? Get what if we get a guy from each team involved in an all-star event like a home run derby or
3: the game? That'll get behind more.
2: But that's basically the same thing besides the derby. And I don't want someone not
3: serving in the derby. Yeah, I guess, I guess. I'm, I'm trying yeah, to be I'm a actually peacemaker. i a bigger here, advocate right.
2: of like, well, the, the derby
0: requires cool. a very certain, you need a certain type of player. So like that, I will understand. Was like we should. But you can be
3: a bat. You can be a bad hitter and have a bad year and make the derby just because you can hit a lot of home
0: runs. Absolutely. So. You know, Pete Alonso is not the first non All Star to be in the home run derby. Yeah, and he
3: hasn't had a great year, but he, you know, he's fun to watch. He hits home runs and he won the All Star. game. I mean, he won the home run derby before, so you know.
0: Exactly. So I don't have any problem with that. I, I do a problem with what you're saying, but I want
2: to make sure Alex and, and Ryan get something to say. Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna just go off that walk <laughs> part because he does not deserve to be an all-star. <laughs> Whoa! It's not, and it's not it's not and I'll I'll tell you why, it's not because he's not having a great year. He's having an all-star worthy year, but when you look yeah. at the NL pitchers, he is not better than a lot of the guys, and so if we take a look at the guys who but got. How can people. you
3: say Cole deserves to be an All Star? Maybe A-L. he's All Star worthy, but he doesn't deserve A-L. to be an All Star by A-L. that logic because Tyron Walker's numbers are better. Right, because because the the All Star game AL
2: and NL, and so in the AL there aren't enough pitchers that are better than Cole. If so that, how can you call him all, all, I you call
3: him a deserving of an All Star? You can call him All Star worthy, I guess. You can call. If a bunch you want to rip apart worthy.
2: the construct of the All Stars and make it so it's just overall and not league based, I'm for that. But with the current system in the AL, there's just not enough better pitchers. Yeah. And obviously, you know, one of the reasons is you, you don't face a designated hitter. And there's, it's just the always it's always the way it is. The NL has better pitchers, and so those two guys certainly Walker's had better season than them that you mentioned, Marquez and Darvish, I think. But look at some of the other guys that got snubbed. You mentioned Max Scherzer; he's having a better year than Walker, two one ERA. Walker Buehler, yeah. another big name; he's a two three ERA, he's eight and one on a Dodgers team. A lot of people saying Freddie Peralta, yeah. a guy who many don't know. He's 122 strikeouts in 87 innings and a 2-1 ERA. So those are three guys having better years than Walker, and it's nothing against Walker. because Walker
3: Bueller is a 2-3 ERA. Tywin Walker is a 2-4. It's essentially Okay, but it's a
2: little bit better. But even then, there's no argument to have Walker in over him. But you, you could throw him out. Scherzer and Peralta are having objectively better years. So that's just where I look at it there. It is like Walker is having an amazing year, and he deserves to get recognized. And so if a few things go the right way, and those three more deserving candidates get in, I'm all for Walker getting in because he's had a great year. And to go on Diaz, he absolutely doesn't deserve it, and that's not, again, to say that he hasn't had a great year, but the NL relievers are ridiculous. I was looking at it. All of them have more saves than him. Even Kenley Jansen didn't make it. He's second in saves. He's a lower ERA. He's pitched more innings. So, like, Diaz, you know, great year, great bounce back. I'm happy for him that he's been able to survive a rough first year uh he's just not an all-star when you look at the reality of the nl and same with walker i'm sorry
1: question i think it depends on how you evaluate all-stars does team sure. success matter and does histo- history matter because those no, are the teams? things go walker's way
3: yeah he's nah, got a first place me. team in the
1: meantime, NL East, and it's his best year era wise that he's had in the past five years
2: narrative narr- like outside narratives shouldn't impact it
1: okay. like throwing a question out there
3: okay
0: okay i'm i'm sorry the 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 point is here, you're all wrong. This is just a game. I don't know why you're putting so much emphasis
3: on what's the what name there. I I, I uh, that, that's funny that you say that, Dylan, because um Taiwan Walker got asked in the post-game um, press conference from his most recent start in Subway series what it would mean like to him if he made the all-star game. And he said it would be really cool. But he said, if I don't, I can go home and spend some time with my family, which is cool too. So I, I think that kind of shows that we're arguing a lot about this, but Maybe the players are okay just taking the time off and being with their families.
0: Speaking of which we are about to be on for 65 minutes. So <laughs> we should probably all go leave and be on with our family. <laughs> this is still technically the long weekend of the morning.
1: No, We're family here with each other. We yeah, absolutely exactly. are.
0: We absolutely are. Uh, and I, I'm very grateful that we have that dynamic here between our two sets of beat reporters, but we should probably wrap things up here on this episode of nosebleeds as we hit, uh (laughs) as we hit minute number 65 here as they would say in the soccer world but this has been a very entertaining episode uh to be a part of we hope you've enjoyed listening to it uh, along with alex walls ryan gregware and sam davis in no particular order my name is dylan balsamo this has been nosebleeds a production of WFUV sports go watch some baseball this week and we'll talk more about it in the next week to come thanks so much for joining us have a (laughs) great